1: Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the Skate Podcast on WEI.com.
2: Bobby Orr, behind the net, the Sanderson! Bobby Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup.
1: Talking Bruins and NHL.
2: Sure, old time hockey. Like Eddie Shore. Yeah.
1: With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Pruitt.
3: Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him!
1: And WEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin.
2: Whoa. Hey, Scott.
1: Lace him up for some bees Talk right now.
2: I'm a damn dog.
1: It's the Skate Pod on WEEI.
0: Welcome into episode 127 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Pru and Scott McLaughlin. But we are also joined today, uh, for the second time, first time this season, by Mark Diver of the New England Hockey Journal. Mark, I I really hope that you had a relaxing summer, because now that we are to late October, it's it's
1: hockey season, full gear. It is, and, uh, you know, thank God for that. I think we're already... uh... You know, we're a month in here or a month or so, six weeks. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it's great to have the, ga- the r- games that count back to watch.
3: I think we're all already tired. You can hear it in my voice. I talk already too much what? Tired? Me. Already tired. I, think. I
2: actually got. No, I'm actually enjoying this uh, Bruins having a full two day weekend for once. This, this has been nice for me. Yeah, like, um, I think they are too with the Halloween I was going to say, away. they're not
3: resting. I saw them all dressed up, and I mean, a bunch of people dressed as Harry Potter, and then the other crew was um, Shrek. Yeah, and, a, li-
2: a little more adventurous than uh, what they wore on Monday for their hospital visits.
3: Well, no, but <laughs> half of them were wearing dresses again. <laughs> Pasternak had a nice wig on and a skirt and leggings or stockings or whatever, and Le- Lena Solmark was Fiona, and of course, what? Sweetman was Donkey.
0: <laughs> that was I know I, I love how of course they they went as a couples
1: uh, costume.
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: Mark, you have, you have any crazy costumes lined up for tomorrow?
1: No, no. I gotta say though, you know, it's a sign of my age. I have no idea who these characters are that they're dressing up as. I, I really don't Not even Harry Potter. Not even I don't I didn't do the Harry Potter thing. My kids did, and I was kind of in the background, maybe watching a little bit, but uh, I'm uh, I'm out of the loop on that on that. Yeah.
3: Michael, well, I guess
1: uh, Harry Potter. I guess
0: I guess um Jake Debresque had the scariest costume uh, last night. I guess I guess he went as Bruce Cassidy. That'd be pretty scary. Oh man, yeah, no, um, I am just
3: trying to look through all those pictures and every single time I found something different, I was like, oh man, what is this? Oh God. I, I mean, mean, it was that, a huge party.
0: Yeah, they had it looked like they were in East Boston across the Harbor there. Um, yeah, so. so yeah, Mark, we're going to get into you know some specifics, but I guess let's just get your, your take on the, the eight and one start, best in franchise history. Obviously the big storyline this off season was having, trying to have as best start as possible with the guys that they've had out. And I don't think anybody expected this though.
1: Oh, you know, we all saw this coming. Uh, <laughs> I know I did. Well, it, I mean, it really, I mean, I'm just kind of sitting back and enjoying the games. They're they're fun to watch, um, you know, the the way they're playing. Uh are they giving up more, uh, more chances? Yeah, they are, but, uh, it's at the other end, they're, uh, they're generating more too, and they're capitalizing. So, I mean, I think it's been, uh, it's been fun to watch so far. Um, you know, it's going to change a little bit when, with the personnel here, Marshan's back and McAvoy will be back. Uh, Grizzlick's back McAvoy, uh, before too long. And, and then, uh, the roster will change as that happens, but uh, it's it's really been an amazing start so far. I think uh, I think we can all agree on that.
3: It makes Mark, our I life easier, to... right? makes our life easier guys want to actually answer questions uh you know it's easy to it's easier to write about you know a lot of the positives and people are more receptive to reading that stuff and answering questions about that stuff for us it's actually been one of the easiest seasons to cover so far for me at least
2: yeah and mark i wanted to ask about one guy who's been a part of the start that uh you know i think was pretty surprising throughout training camp in the preseason. That's Jacob Lauko, who I know we we talked to you about him last year, um, the season he was having in Providence, which was, was not very good. He, even he later admitted that. Um, but makes the team out of camp. He's played five games so far. I know he did get sent down, but then called back up, uh, you know, with the crazy injury um, and played Friday night in Columbus. How surprised are you to see – Basically, the turnaround he had in in one offseason to go from, you know, really seeing his stock take a hit in terms of where he stood in the organization to all of a sudden he's on the opening night Bruins roster.
1: Well, I'm very surprised. Um, You know, I went to the Prospects Challenge in Buffalo, uh, as I usually do in, in September, and, you know, Lauco was there, uh, you know, was one of the players. He might've been the most senior player invited. You know, that's an event for rookies. uh, And he's a few years into his pro career. I think I could detect in his body language that he didn't want to be there. He thought, you know, I, I don't know what he thought, but uh, it looked like he, um, he might've been a little disappointed that he had to go and, uh, and play in that. Uh, But um, you know, he goes to Boston camp. I didn't think he had, honestly, I didn't think he did enough to make the team. But uh, Jim Montgomery likes his speed, he's commented on that several times. He likes you know the, the speed that he brings. Uh, so he makes the team, and and so far, so good. He you know, he's uh, he hasn't taken bad penalties, which has maybe been a, something that he's done in Providence. You know, unnecessary penalties, hooking, tripping, stuff like that. He's kept it clean. He's used his speed. He's got in there. He's agitated, drawn a couple penalties. He's been good. Uh, He's been – I don't think he's ever going to be a scorer. He's a bottom-of-the-lineup guy to me. I don't think he's ever really scored at any level. He he certainly hasn't in the American League. Um, But, uh, I mean, you got to be pleasantly surprised that – that a guy who you know was spinning his wheels is now is uh is contributing uh, you know in the NHL on nights when he gets in the lineup.
3: Um Scott if you wanted to respond to that or Brian?
2: No, I think if, if anyone wants to jump to a different player topic. Yeah, I mean I yeah, I, I can. Um Can I can I tell my Loco
1: story?
3: Oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, for yeah, it. yeah,
2: yeah. Go ahead.
1: So the Bruins have been patient with him. You know he's a young kid. A lot of his, you know, I don't want to call them issues, but the reason the last couple of years, maybe he hasn't come as fast as as maybe they expected is how young he is. You know he's a, he, he really is a young kid. Uh, but this and this story kind of reflects uh, maybe a little bit of that immaturity. So I'm on my way to a game in, uh, it was in Connecticut a couple of years ago. And as I'm, I'm on the highway, I'm about to get off to, uh, the exit to the rink. And I look at my phone and, uh, I'm getting a a text that says, uh, or actually it was a call. Can you stop and get, stop at Dunkin' Donuts and get a, uh, chocolate frosted donut for Lauco for his pregame snack? And I was like, uh, "Well, no, no, I can't. I'm I'm almost to the rink. I'm not gonna, you know, go driving around Bridgeport or, or Hartford, whatever it was, looking for a Dunkin'. Although, you know, let's face it, there was probably one on the next corner. But uh, you know, so they will. That's his. That w- at that point was his pregame meal of choice: a chocolate frosted donut from Dunkin' Donuts. You know, that's not exactly in the diet plan that uh, that the team has for for these guys pregame. But, uh, you know, that's kind of where he was. Uh, And, and, you know, has he cleaned up his diet lately now that he's uh, an NHL guy? I don't know. But, uh, you know, that's where he was at that point.
3: Ask Scott what his pregame snack is.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Popcorn, obviously. It's
3: popcorn. Every every every
2: game. But I mean, the, the
3: last Sandal- few games I've been bringing candy, so that's a problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd be less concerned of, when it comes to him, his maturity. I'd be less concerned about is him wanting a donut than him asking having uh, Mark have to get it for him. what That's <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what jumped out to me. Well, uh, yeah,
3: that is kind so of strange. Call- if I get a text from like someone, someone from the Bruins like, hey, it's like Hey, Bridget, go, can you go grab me a McFlurry? <laughs>
1: Just to be clear, the, the call wasn't from uh, from Jakob. It was from a right. member of the staff. Uh, yeah, you know Jakob's not ringing me up at game time for, uh,
3: for <laughs> okay. that, right. would it. Yeah. that. Would be it. that would be it. a whole other story. But, but
1: either either way, on what planet would you be
0: responsible for grabbing <laughs> exactly? <somebody laughs> like, well, what you mean? know,
1: we all do what we
0: can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's that
2: that minor league life. It, that's yeah. You yeah. right. You know, it's different. It's not the NHL. <laughs> All right.
3: So I, I feel like the natural next question, just because this was a guy that you watched play for a long time. Um, (laughs) Saw him get opportunities in, in the pros here and there, but he never ended up sticking with the Bruins. What did you make of the Jackson Nika trade mid (laughs) mid game? Um, And you know, the return on, um, on how, you know, what they were actually able to get for him.
1: I thought they did pretty well in that trade because I don't think there was, I think there was interest, but teams didn't want to, like, I don't think they could have got a seventh round draft pick for him. I, I could be completely off base, but they've been, I've heard, you know, over the last week or so, especially that, Hey, he's on the market. They're trying to actively trying to see if they can move him. Uh you know, I think that, uh, so I think they did pretty well in the trade. Uh, the goalie, we're never going to see him in a Bruins uniform, even in Providence. Uh, he's not, I think he'll, they'll move him along in a, in another trade at some point. I believe there's no, there's no room for him here in Providence. Uh, they already told the goalies here, Hey, don't worry about it. You're, you're not going anywhere. This isn't going to affect you at all. So, uh. The DiPietro kid, he's not coming. Um, I suspect they had to take that contract as a condition of the deal. That, yeah. that I, I believe. The other kid, I don't know. Maybe he's a player. He's a, maybe he's a prospect. He uh, he's six foot two. He's right-handed. Uh, I guess he's a candidate for the World Junior team in Sweden this uh, this December. So. You know, he's worth taking a look at. Maybe there's something there. Um, as far as Jack goes, you know, I he's such a good kid. Um, and it didn't uh clearly it didn't work for him here. Um and I think uh I think my I suspect that COVID some of these guys just the the whole off the ice part of COVID being kind of cooped up in your hotel room or your apartment, being a young guy and you can't go out, you can't socialize. uh, I think that took a toll on, on guys like Jack. And I I think Jake DeBrusque too. Um, You know, I think we'll never really know because how do you measure that? Uh, But I, you know, if the, if if not for COVID, maybe it would have worked out differently for Jack here. Maybe he would have found his footing uh, in the Bruins lineup and been able to grab a full time job and and hold on to it. Uh,
3: we you know, so maybe, we maybe, we have been arguing about how much the like stop and go part of his career like you're up and then you lose your opportunity then you have it and then you lose it like how much that affected his psyche
1: well it it, if i'm sure it did but you know that's part of for these some of these minor league guys and prospects when you get an opportunity you have to grab it and if you don't you know i don't know if that's really on the team as opposed to being on the the individual um it's just, that's just reality. Guys get a chance and, and they, some of them grab it and run with it and never see the minors again. Uh, other guys, it works out different and it, it did for Jack. Um, I think he's going to have a, you know, a solid NHL career, um, you know, starting in Vancouver. I, th- I think he's a good player. He's not a great player, uh, you know, not really heavy enough for the bottom six, not skilled enough for the top six. He's kind of in between. Um, but, uh, you know, I hope he, uh, I hope it works for him out there, right? Because he, he's a good kid and uh, he, he works hard.
2: Yeah. And where he, you know, might've been able to fit in the lineup. It seemed during this, this preseason that, you know, it was him versus no for the fourth line center job. And, At times, it certainly looked like Stanika was ahead or was at least having a better preseason. But then you get into, like, is that really where he fits? You know, Nosek's done that before. He's played that defensive role, taking all those D-zone shifts, penalty killing, all that. Do you think, you know, had he gotten a run of games, could Stanika have have done that and and cracked into the lineup that way? Or did he really need to be higher in the lineup at some point and, and not in that kind of role?
1: Yeah, I don't see that as his, as his wheelhouse. Um you know, sometimes you have to take what uh, you know, what the role is even if it's not really playing to your strengths. Uh and so I don't know if he would have been the fourth line center they they uh that would have really been effective. Like Nosic has his flaws. We uh, we all know that. Uh but that fourth line center role is, is, is uh, that's what he is. He, I think he knows it. Uh, that's the way uh, he's been used. And uh, you can look at his game and nitpick that, you know, the guy has, uh, you know, frying pans for hands at times, but uh, yeah, he can win those draws. He he plays a good game defensively. Uh, he is what he is. Uh, so I don't know. I don't think that's where Jack would have been, uh, would have been uh, all that good.
0: That's a, uh, that's a great, uh, (laughs) that's a great analogy, by the way, Mark frying pans for hands. I love that. Um, Yeah. I mean, like, like Bridget kind of alluded to, we've talked about in the past and we kind of came to the conclusion that it, it does fall on the player ultimately. And when he got an opportunity this year, I mean to say he squandered it is probably a compliment because he did much worse than that. I mean he threw it away. They were like, if they had any doubts before that game that they were moving him there, and eh, no, okay, yeah, let's, let's let's find a way to move him. But the question for us was like last season's training camp. Like, um, could if they gave him a stint earlier on, could things have been different? But um, yeah, like like you mentioned, he's he's not a great player at the NHL level. He doesn't have one elite trait at the NHL level. Um, I mean, I you know, may, uh, maybe his skating, I guess but it's, but it's above average. I, I wouldn't say it's elite at the NHL, but yeah, it's, it's, it's uh hopefully he gets a good opportunity in Vancouver because he does seem like a really nice kid and he can bring something to the table. It just wasn't the right fit here. It wasn't the right timing in the Bruins development or
3: the irony of it all is they get the deal done as David Krejci gets hurt and a yeah. center spot opens up.
1: Right. Yeah, but
2: it, it sounds like, you know, I mean, it's I guess it's easy to say now, but I'm not sure Stanik even would have been the first choice. Like I, I still think moving Zach at a center might have been the first move they made anyways, even with, with Krejci out.
3: Yeah, and Montgomery said uh, it, he was a victim of the fact that every single center fit perfectly where they where he wanted them and there just wasn't really that leeway for 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 move into the lineup at that point unless there was a an injury
0: Um, so, Mark Scott brought up um, he brought up Nosek a little bit earlier, or maybe you brought him up. But along with uh, with Nosek is is Nick Felino on that in you know in that fourth line role, and he's had a much much improved um, season thus far. But those two making the team out of camp came at the expense of you know sending down McLaughlin to providence because they could they actually did wave oscar steen but he didn't get claimed and i wanted to ask about those guys' starts in providence this far because um you know when they get to the to the bruins at some point this year inevitably mclaughlin, McLaughlin in particular he'll be up at some point for one reason or another they're not going to be expected to, to be point producers so it, it's not a big deal that they don't have the well i guess i'm going to ask you thus far this season in seven games um seen and mclaughlin have two points each uh Jack and Sean has one point is there any concern level at their lack of production in the a right now or not really because that's not going to be their game when they get to Boston anyway well for Sean it might be but let's stick with the forwards I guess
1: well I don't I don't I don't know if concern if I would describe it that way but certainly a slow start is not what they were looking for the you know the coaching staff um You know, the thing, one factor in this, I I think, and, you know, I've seen, you see this a lot down here, is a guy gets sent down and uh, starts slow. And I think a lot of it is because they're disappointed that that they got sent down. So it takes some time to, uh, this happened with Stanika, It takes some time to kind of refocus, get your head in the right place uh, where it needs to be and uh, to start playing, you know, to your strengths in in a way that would get you called up again. Um, You know, I think at least down here, there's been signs this weekend that some of those guys are, you know, coming out of it a little bit. Steen's been better this weekend. Uh, He got his first goal the other night. Um, I think he assisted on a goal last night and, and just played a general, generally a stronger game. Ashan didn't have any points, I think, until last night, but he was all over the ice, uh, in Springfield. I think he had seven shots. Every time you looked up, he had the puck, which is, that's his game. Um, so he, uh, he'll be fine. Um, McLaughlin's had a slow start offensively. He doesn't have any goals, but, uh. I mean all the other things that Mark McLaughlin does, uh the penalty killing, the the work along the walls, the just the hard work effort, that's all there. Uh you know, that's uh that's who he is, and, and you know, that hasn't changed. He just doesn't have numbers at this point to point to and say, Hey, look, I got three goals or whatever. Uh, but the way he plays the game is uh hasn't changed. So I think uh there's nothing to worry about, and, you know, for him. He'll, he'll be fine. Uh, but, uh, you know, like I was saying, I, like, for example, last season when Steen got – he was up in Boston. He did pretty well. I didn't think we – I thought we might not see him at, again in Providence, but at, his game tailed off. He got sent down. When he got called up, he – I think the coaches, one of the coaches said he's the best – forward in the Atlantic division of the of the league at that point. He goes up, he plays pretty well, but his game tails off and he gets sent down. He was brutal when he got sent down for like, I don't know, 15 games. He just was terrible. And, you know, a lot of that is a hangover type thing where, hey, I had a chance. I did pretty well and and I'm back in the American League. You know, what what do I have to do? So you know that that thing weighs weighs on these guys to uh, to varying degrees. Uh, but I think, Ste- like I said, I think Steen's coming out of it this weekend. Ashan's uh, been good. McLaughlin, he's he's going to play his game whether the puck goes in or not. So um, I don't think anyone's worried about those guys.
2: Yeah, I wanted to ask you about another guy who's off to a slow start production-wise. And that's Johnny Beecher, who has one goal, no assists through seven games. And, you know, in my mind, he shouldn't really be too disappointed that he didn't make Boston. I get, you know, I feel like going to the HL, yeah. at least for some time should be expected. And in theory, he should be a guy who's now, you know, one rung higher on the organizational center depth chart with Stanika getting traded. So uh, what have you seen from him so far this season down there?
1: Well, if I were to answer this question, like on Friday morning, I would probably, you know, I would have said, wow, he's been brutal so far, Uh, but he's turned it around Friday night. And last night, particularly Friday night, he's, he's been really, really good doing the things that he's got to, he has to do if he's going to, you know, be a productive player in the NHL down the road Uh, for the first five games. He had, he didn't have a shot on net, which is, it's one thing to have no points, but to have no shots in five games, that's, that's kind of hard to wrap your head around. Uh, but Friday night, I mean, he brought, he brought his A game. He was skating. He was, he was getting inside. He, he was, uh, you know, he, he was finishing his checks with, uh, with authority, not just, you know, the obligatory bump along the, the boards. He was finishing hard, pissing guys off on the other team. You know, he snapped one guy's stick with a slash after the whistle. Just being a miserable guy to play against on, on that night, which, you know, you need to, that he needs to be that guy uh, to, uh, he's not going to be the guy on the power play who's, you know, leading the attack. He, he's going to be, um, probably a bottom, you know, third line, type player. Um, so he needs to, he needs to bring that kind of skating and, and physical play. Uh, he had a goal last night, his first goal. It was a lucky bounce off the end boards that came right to him. The goalie was out of position, but uh, he was in position five feet from the net to put it in. Last week, he probably would have been 10 feet away and not in position, you know, on the perimeter. So it's been good to see him ramp up his, uh, his engagement. I guess it'd be, it would be the word, uh, these last two nights, um, you know, I don't think it was Ryan Mujanel alluded to this Friday night that the last two weeks have probably been a little hard on him on Beecher because he really wasn't, he was really spinning his wheels, uh. Now he's come out of it at least for two games. Uh, hopefully he can he can, you know, continue to build on that and uh, and turn you know turn it up and be night in night out uh, that guy uh, for Providence.
3: And and with that, like how ready? I know we've asked you this about a lot of players, but like how NHL ready is he, and what are some things that he would really need to clean up before he could make the call up.
1: Well, his level of engagement is something that's got to be there every night in the NHL. You can't, as a rookie, you know, if you come up and you're not really, your head's not really in it and you're on the perimeter, well, you're not going to be there long. So that's one thing that he's got to, that's got to be there every single night, every, every single shift, uh, for him. Um, you know the physical parts of his game he's been their best faceoff guy down here so he's got he, he's got that in his in his back pocket as a as an asset um you know using his speed he's got to he's got to do that more he he uh he had a chance the other night to take a defenseman wide and he, and he did it he used the speed to get around the guy uh he, you know he's got to – that skating is you just don't see guys You know even in the nhl guys with that kind of size that have that effortless stride that he has and speed he's got to use that like every single opportunity he gets uh so how close is he to being nhl ready i would say not all that close right now but you know ask me again in december or january and and we'll see how you know fast he can you know, assuming he, he, you know, keeps uh, ramping it up here. We'll see where he is at that point. But uh, he, you know, I think there's, if they had to call a center up from Providence tomorrow, you know, there's, I I seriously doubt it would be him. It would be Vinny Lattery or or even Euna uh, Kopanen. Yeah. Those two guys are more more uh, NHL ready at this point than, than Beecher is, but he, uh, you know, as I said, he's taken some real positive steps this weekend. So we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. Vinny LaTerry was a, was a nice addition. Um, young veteran presence in that league for them.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm coming around to the idea that, uh, everything Thomas Nosa can do Vinny LaTerry can do, um, Except half the size. He's not, really like. At half the size. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At half the size. But, uh, half the size, he, half the price. this is a guy that has, this is this is a guy that has hands around the net. Vinny, you know, he can uh he can score. Uh so you know, I think he certainly could fill in uh, you know, if if need be in in, in Boston, he could come up and uh and fill that fourth line role. He's he's certainly uh He's a, he's a fast skater. Uh, he he's got a he's got a big edge on Nosik in that department. But uh, you know, I have been impressed with him. He's he he's a really good player at the American League level. Yeah.
2: All right, it's time to get to the player. I think everyone probably wants to hear about the most, and that's Fabian Lysel, who is off to a great start uh, through Sunday morning. So I know they have another game Sunday afternoon, um, but leads the team in points with eight, two goals, six assists despite missing two games and I believe he's had points in all five games he's played, uh, do the stats match what, what you're seeing with the eyes? Is he really having this good of a start? And, you know, could he be a guy who at some point this season, uh, is knocking on the NHL door?
1: I think that's possible. Uh, you'd have to tell me though before you know before i i would say definitively is who who's he going to replace in boston and what's his role going to be he's not going to go up there and play in the bottom 6 cuz that is not his uh his wheelhouse um if you're going to put him up, up there and put him on the power play well who who's whose place is he taking you know
2: yeah uh, I, the the situation i could see is like someone someone up there and you know the top 6 is out for a week or two at some point and hey let's see let's see what Lysel can do you know and no guarantees it's going to be permanent but you know kind of give him a taste
1: I could see that I, I I could see that working um I mean he watching uh just this morning I watched the uh the video of last night's game in Springfield and I mean the Springfield defensemen were on their heels, every time he got the puck and was coming up the ice, they were backing up like, like you you can't believe because they knew that he could burn them, uh, with his speed, uh, not to mention his, his tricky, he's a, he's a tricky, elusive uh, guy with the puck. Um, so, I mean, he, he's, he's really fun to watch. Um, you know, I think. I think there are similarities to Pasternak when he was in the league as a, as an 18 year old. Um, you could just see the skill and the skating and the, uh, the head for the offensive game. Uh, there's a lot of similarities there. Uh, you know, not necessarily their game, uh, you know, a match in their game, but just a very exciting offensive player uh, who can do a lot of things and who makes the opposition nervous when he gets the puck they obviously have scouted this guy and and it's probably been a point of emphasis in their meetings that hey look out when this guy gets it um and i think there's other signs so the offensive part is you know is is there um he needs to be careful about skating into traffic with the puck because uh someone will take his head off. Uh, he, he could do that in the Western League and, and get away with it. But that's not going to fly here. He did it once, I think, in the first game and got buried. And uh, that's kind of disappeared from his game. So that's sinking in that, hey, you know, if you want to last a long time over here, you uh, you want to skate into th- three guys with the puck because they'll, they'll uh, bury you. Uh, but I think also and it's been encouraging that he's the defensive part of his game. You're not going to turn him into a checker, obviously, but he had a back check last night that, you know, he tracked back and was the last guy back and broke up a scoring chance for Springfield. You know, I don't, in game one, I don't know if if that would have happened. So the stuff that they're preaching to him, Hey, you you can't just play at one end of the ice. You got to, Got to have some presence in the D zone too. That appears to be sinking in. So that's, uh, you know, you like to see that. You don't want them to just be all offense all the time. You got to you gotta be responsible a little bit too. So that's encouraging.
3: It's kind of interesting that he was a, you know, he was a guy when the Bruins drafted him that kind of had the skill of a guy that would have been drafted earlier, fell to them a little bit because there was question marks about he, he had a bad season Um Previously to being drafted, but it sounds like he is based on, you know, his last season playing in in Canada and this year so far in Providence um, that he kind of is appearing to be what people expected in terms of that high-skilled guy um, that people were really excited about. So would you say he's been everything you expected to see? And is the excitement warranted in the fact that people want to see this kid come up and, and wanted, want him to be on the NHL roster because of his skill?
1: I think he's been everything, uh, you know, you hoped he would be. But I would, you know, I think – you got to be cautious w- with a, a guy in in his uh, spot he's i don't know what, is, what does he weigh 170 175 uh i don't think there's any rush to bring him up despite what the fan base obviously is excited about him but uh he needs some time in the in the american league i think to uh, just to get used to playing against pros playing against men uh you know and bringing it uh you know, every, every night, um, I don't think it would hurt him one bit to, uh, to spend even the whole season down here. Uh, I'm guessing that won't happen. I think they will bring him up and take a look at some point for maybe a short stretch of games like we talked about earlier, but I remember now Jake DeBrusque is, is a different, different, uh, situation, but he, he had a great year down here as a rookie and they, they kept him down here the whole year. And in the second half of the season, he certainly was ready to go up and, 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 you know, get a little taste. They never gave it to him and it didn't, you know, I don't think it's held Jake back at all. I, you know, he's off to a great start this year. Um, so I don't think, that more time in Providence is, is going to be uh, detrimental at all to Lysel if he ends up, you know, being down here, say, the whole season.
2: Well, and the Bruins certainly aren't hurting for offense right now, so that if that continues, that makes it yeah. really easy to be patient with Lysel and really with anyone else as well.
0: I will say, too, though, guys, yeah. and you, you mentioned the, uh, the top six, like that's where he would naturally fit in Boston, and I – 100% agree, but I will say like, and as Scott just mentioned, the offense has been clicking this year, but Boston's interesting where your third line, if your third line is Coil, two thirds of it is Coil and Zaka, and you get towards the second half of the season and nobody's really grabbed that third spot on that line, Zaka and Coil Coil are borderline top six players in the NHL. And I mean, I could maybe see it... He tr- did ha- find a way onto the team. Like, c- could he like take uh, a spot on that line? Like, if if Trent Frederick doesn't run with it, I'm not really sure. I mean, that's it's like, like I said, it's it's they're really full up there. It's tough to see him breaking in long term this season. Maybe that could be something too. I know, like we said, top six is probably more um, appropriate for him. But if they, but if they want to have a, a championship caliber team, and you're going to need three lines that could score, uh, that could maybe be a fit too. I don't know.
1: Well, to start out, it might be, I mean, Brad Marsh and what he started on the fourth line, right? Look, look where he's at now. Um, you know, just because he, uh, Fabian was say he started on the third line. Well, that's, that's just a place to start. That's not where he's going to spend. Hopefully that's not where he's going to spend his, uh, his career. He, he's hopefully going to be more than a third line player, but, uh, as a starting point, I don't think that, uh, that's a bad place uh, for him, you know, for just to get a look and and see what, uh, see how we adjust to, uh, to playing in the NHL.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, top six is definitely where he is projected. I, I just meant, um,
1: Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event.
0: Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Uh Mark, before you before you go, I did want to get uh your thoughts on two players also that are having a good start with the Bruins this year, Providence Bruins, and that's uh Georgi Merkulov and Luke is a Top- is that is that his name? Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you do you see NHL futures for them? I mean, I know people want Merkulov to have a promising, maybe centerized position in, in the print uh, of national hockey league level. Do you see any? Do you see an NHL future for these two guys? And if so, maybe what kind of ceiling? Maybe middle six.
1: I th- I think they both are capable at some point down the road of being NHL players. Merkulov um, is uh, the plays he makes with the puck. You know will uh you kind of blink and and say did did I just see that did he just do that he's like a Russian they haven't had a Russian uh in I don't know who was the last Russian they had that was really an impactful player in Boston uh,
2: Sergey. Uh, yeah, well. yeah. <laughs> it, w- it was it was gonna be Koklachev yeah <laughs> you know, <I> <laughs> right. <good. laughs> right
1: uh but merkulov has that russian thing with the puck and offensively and instinctively in the in the ozone that he just sees things that other that other uh you know maybe a canadian or an american guy doesn't see and he makes plays uh the other thing with him is that kid is so driven to uh to make it to the nhl that I think it's gonna be hard to hold him back. He he just is really that is his focus in life is to is to be an NHL player. Um and he he's off to a great start down here. He he's just so dangerous. Uh and Toporowski, I mean, talk about pleasant surprises. A free agent, uh, scored a lot of goals in the in the Western League at, you know, he's not a he's not a big guy. He's five nine, five ten. Uh but he can really shoot it. And he, and he, uh, he just has a nose for the net that maybe other guys don't have. Um, now I don't know what his role would be, where he would fit. It's probably too soon to, to kind of, you know, puzzle that out. But as an offensive player, a guy who can just really rip the puck, um, he's been a very pleasant surprise. And it, a thing that's uh that's big with him is he gets inside he he goes to the front of the net he, he's not on the perimeter using that shot he's he's getting dirty goals too from from two feet away uh, and you know he's he's got a he's got a, a bit of an edge to him too at that size which which will only help him uh you know as he as he goes along here um but i think they did it it looks like they did a nice job. Boston did identifying him as a you know an undrafted guy aging out of the Western League uh, to grab him and have him contribute from day one in, in the American League. That's uh, that's pretty good. So I think both of them have you know good futures. Um, you know I, I don't think there's there's no guarantees, of course, but uh, I, I really like what I see from both of those guys.
3: That's good to know because those are, those are guys that, I mean, obviously they come up, they come up towards the end of this podcast. They come up like in flashes here and there, but people want to talk about Lysell and Beecher and McLaughlin more. So that's good to know. Um, and, and a, good to know that they are keeping up at the AHL level and then hopefully there's a future for them in the NHL at some point. But, uh, we didn't really get a chance to talk. I, sorry if we're holding you up because I know we're no. over time. um, we didn't, haven't had a chance to really talk about the defensive prospects. Like, so Jack is is someone that's been in Providence for a while now. Um, and he's somebody that is one of those good puck moving defensemen kind of had been compared to toy Krug or Matt Grizz. Um, where is he at in terms of his development? Cause he's had more time um, and he hasn't been called up to Boston yet this season. He's, been up a few times in the past but right now this season doesn't seem like he has much of a there's not much space for him
1: no there isn't um you know I think I think Jack O'Shawn is capable of playing in the in the National Hockey League now today maybe not with Boston you know but I think uh I think there's a place for him in the league someplace I think I think he's a he's you know the size thing obviously works against him uh and you know as far as boston goes you know everybody says well they're not gonna have Grizzlick and uh ashan in the lineup at the same time two smaller guys and that's probably true they're they're probably not going to go that way but um you know jack is a just a really talented player with a puck um And he defends for a guy of his size. He defends pretty, you know, pretty well. Um, Like I said, I think he's a, I think he can play in the NHL, whether it will be in Boston. I don't know. Um, You know, there's kind of a, kind of a, uh, you know, guys, uh, guys in Boston ahead of him at this point. So I don't know what his future is with the Boston organization, but, uh, I th- I certainly think he's a ca- a very capable player.
0: All right. Well, Scott, Bridget, do you guys <laughs> have anything else for Mark before we let him go? No.
2: No. All good.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Mark, thanks a lot, Mark.
2: Yes, we really You're appreciate
1: welcome. it. Anytime. Always glad to do it.
0: Hey, and don't have too much candy tomorrow, okay? All
1: you right. Have, you have a
0: good work week. <laughs> thanks, you guys too. All right. Take care, Mark. All right. Bye bye. Um, once again, thanks to to Mark for for joining us the second time he's joined us on the podcast. First time this season, a lot of insightful things he discussed covered a lot of a lot of players in the Providence Bruins. Those who I've got to hot starts, cold starts, um, and just you know what their roles could be at different points throughout the season with the Bruins this year. What stood out to you guys in particular that we we discussed with Mark?
2: Uh, I think it was good to hear him praise Johnny Beecher's play this weekend because. Uh, he clearly was off to like a very slow start and not just like uh, the points aren't there, but to Mark's point like to not even have a shot on goal through five games as someone who spent the off season working on his shot and talking about how, you know, that was like the area of his game he wanted to improve the most was like pretty concerning to see from afar, you know, obviously unlike Mark, like I'm not watching every Providence Bruins game. A lot of them overlap with, with Boston games. Um, but nice to hear that he at least has had a much better weekend. Um, and again, they we're recording Sunday morning. They do play Sunday afternoon again. So, you know, if something crazy happens Sunday afternoon, we uh, apologize for not covering it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, two, two games, uh, as a step forward for him. And obviously you hope that continues because like I said, like he should be a spot up now in the, organizational center depth chart. Um yeah, I think Mark's Mark's probably right that like Latiri, a guy who's had some NHL experience, is probably ahead of him. And Kapanen has Yeah, I feel like we've we never really talk about Unicapan. Like he's not one of the sexiest prospects, but he's had some you know, he's been a good player in Providence for a while. He uh hung around camp a little longer than some other guys this year. So I think the Bruins clearly liked what they were seeing and you know it sounds like he's off to a pretty good start as well so especially with the stanika trade and now Krejci hurt and you know it it doesn't look like crechey's going to be longer term at least they haven't put him on injured reserve yet which I, I take as a somewhat encouraging sign that he wasn't immediately placed on injured reserve which would have knocked him out for a week um but you do kind of wonder like okay what's what's the center depth now? Like if there's another center injury, like, you know, how does it start to look? So just sort of get a feel for that. And, and Georgi Merkulov, you know, I think Mark briefly touched on, but he's been playing more on the wing, which is interesting. And that might just be a good way to, to sort of break him in before you, you know, throw like all the responsibilities of being a center at the pro level on him as he kind of gets adjusted. So, um, That that was kind of the most interesting part for me.
3: Yeah, he and in preseason, Merkulov did make some really crazy plays that I was like, I don't even know how he imagined that this was a move that he could make. But he you know, he has some of these very pretty looking plays, creative plays. But also sometimes that put him in danger of losing the puck if he didn't pull it off right and, and different things like that. I, I mean, I thought he was entertaining to watch. We got a short sample size, but obviously Mark gets a, gets a larger sample size down um, in Providence. So, I, I mean, that that was interesting. I'm glad you asked that question, Brian, because those are some of the guys maybe people, maybe our listeners wouldn't have necessarily come to the podcast to listen about, but it was good information.
0: Yeah, and I think the the Luke uh, Toporowski player has surprised a lot of people that do watch Providence and um, uh, like Scott mentioned, like we're, they're not readily available to watch, and obviously watching the Boston Bruins a lot. So, yeah,
3: it's um, kind of it's kind of stupid that they that the AHL is so impossible to like follow.
0: It is impossible. I don't even, I uh, mean, like is, is there an I, AHL package is it online? Is that how you follow their? Yeah,
2: team? I think it's pay.
3: Yeah, yeah. it's it's interesting because like. I broadcast college hockey and that's very accessible. And like, mm. um, you know, most most leagues now are on like ESPN plus or like I mean Nesson here, Hockey East is on ESPN Plus and Nesson. And yeah, college crazy. hockey is way more accessible to watch than AHL hockey.
0: Yeah. It's just you only catch it through like grainy uh YouTube. I mean, I'm not YouTube, uh, Twitter clips that people embed onto Twitter. It's like, oh, there's a live cell goal
2: yeah even the then you'
0: a hockey game but it's yeah like
2: it's and well. even then you're only you're only getting the highlights so yeah. you know you're not get you're not getting the information not, from from someone like Mark who can talk about you know these guys all around games
3: yeah that's why it's very valuable to have someone like Mark on um and Mark, we see him at the bruins games too he's up he's down he's covering different things he's covering college hockey he's following the prospects in boston uh, i mean in providence and before they get to providence and then once they you know do get a call up he's looking at him so he's someone who like he's that rare ahl reporter who's also like just following all the steps mm. through, through well, these guys development and add
2: in college because mark's at a lot of providence college and brown games as well so he's yeah he's- well, He's a true, true rink rat, has everything Rhode Island covered.
0: Yeah, to, that, to, to what you just said, Scott, like he also covers a lot of the, um you know, U18s, U16s, U15 um, leagues in, around, uh you know, Rhode Island and, and Mass. But um, before we, 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 we touch on the, the Jackets game that the Bruins played, so do you guys think that Vinny Letary would be the first center call up over um McLaughlin or is, do they not play McLaughlin at the wing? I had uh,
2: yeah. McLaughlin's been playing right wing from okay. the Providence lineups I've seen. Okay. Um,
3: but he can play center.
2: Yeah. Hmm. So I it, it would probably I feel like everybody
3: in Providence is like, Oh, they can play center, but we're playing them on the wing. <laughs> it it Brian. It was when they were like, Oh crap, we don't have enough centers. And then they just oh, have yeah, centers. Right. And did, now they're like, well crap, they have to become wingers.
0: Was, was he uh, yeah. Yeah. McLaughlin was um, center at BC and for the Olympic team, right?
3: Yes. That
0: was his primary position.
3: Or at it least was, for he was, BC,
0: to yeah. BC, to BC, I guess.
2: Yeah, he played mostly center at BC. There were times that they would move him and Jack McBain, put them on the same line, and McLaughlin would usually be the one that would shift hmm. to wings. So um, he had played some wing, and then obviously last year in Boston played, you know, I think almost entirely wing.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Um, okay. So yeah, so I'm losing track of days. Today's Sunday. So was it Friday? Friday. So the Friday, the Bruins played the second of their back-to-backs. We talked before the Red Wings game about how they had the Red Wings coming up and then the the typical scheduled loss, the the second of a back-to-back with travel as the away team. And they just, I mean, maybe, maybe it wasn't the perfect game, but they pretty much kicked Columbus's ass like all game. Like, yeah, the Jackets had a few chances early on, but like, I mean, the Bruins just kind of like outclassed them in in that in, in a position where they could have easily lost that game. It's almost like they learned from the Ottawa back-to-back earlier this year on the road. But, I mean, just another impressive outing. Eight, eight and one to finish the month. Just like another five-goal, four-goal performance. I mean, they're scoring goals in bunches, and um, they're playing well defensively too. It's so, like not giving up a lot of goals either the last three or four games. Sorry, yeah, I think.
2: They've, yeah, they've uh, they've really cleaned up uh defensively and obviously another great game from Linus Allmark, who's now 6-0 0 with a 945 save percentage. Um yeah, I, I worked in my uh post-game column after Friday night's game. I worded it as like at least a scheduled subpar performance because the Bruins realistically probably could have played not well at all and still beat Columbus. Um but a it wasn't even that like they came out and, and played great. And, you know, especially through two periods, like they, they doubled up Columbus and shots in the second period. I think it was 29, 19 after two and, and obviously four nothing, they just had poured it on in that second period. Um, you know, and you'd see so, so many more encouraging signs, like get another goal for Pasternak. Um You know, it's off DeBrusque the, had another the good best game. start of his career. Yeah, another really good game for DeBrus. The penalty Charlie kill. Goes,
3: goal was yeah, insane.
2: They finally get a shorthanded goal, which their penalty kill had been lights out anyways. It's number two in the league and goes three for three. Columbus, by the way, 0 for 23 in the power play now this season, which is honestly impressive. Like, I feel like you have to try to go 23 power plays without scoring to start the season.
3: Especially um, when you have Johnny Gaudreau, like he should right. at least have broken through for one when somebody didn't defend him, like and Patrick Linea,
2: like Linea doesn't didn't just step into a one timer at some point, like yeah. I don't know what that team's doing, but
0: the the other thing too, I I forgot to I forgot to mention this off the top. I mean, the other obvious reason that they could have folded, not folded, but like just kind of packed it on a on a back to back. You go into Columbus without Marshan and Krejci, and forgive me if you mentioned that, Scott. but I, I forgot to. But it's like, yeah. So it's a back-to-back. Krejci's out, Marshan's out. You you're going with these makeshift lines. It's just that <laughs> whatever you throw at this team, it's like they're just. It's like, all right, next man up. They they people say it all the time, but they're they're, um, embodying that. It's just it's just, it's great it's great to watch. It's very impressive. Um, so yeah, it's uh, Bridge. I don't know if you had any any takeaways from the, from the Blue Jackets game, but.
3: Well, um, another Even impressive, in general another impressive performance from Allmark. I mean, there's just not been drop off in in his game so far this year, and I, I believe he got the game puck after that for the shutout. Um, and he just looks so on top of it, like it. He's tracking everything the exact way he should be. He seems happy, which is great. They I all mean, they all seem like they're really enjoying their time this year. Um and I think that him and Swayman do push each other and that's why we see both goalies recently having good games in the back to back starts with Swayman at home and then Allmark on the road and I think the Bruins are in a really really good place goaltending wise. Um, after that, Charlie Coyle scoring in back to back uh games as well. That's really encouraging. You're getting that depth scoring from the bottom six. Um, and there are Coyle two
0: the way he scored Bridget too. Oh, was, they're
3: so pretty. Both yeah. of those goals were as pretty as you could get. And I was just, you know, I'm sitting there going, Oh my God. But, and, um, Grizzlick, uh, you're getting some scoring from the back end. So Grizzly goes like bar down on his goal. And I mean, it was a, a lot of positives to take out of it, even though it was one of those weird games where it was like, all right, they're missing two of their best players and they're not traveling and, you know, recall, they're recalling Lauco up to the lineup and it, it didn't seem like they missed too much of a beat, even with all of that going on.
0: Nope, no, no, it's, it's impressive. So, um, if you, if, if you guys have anything else, uh, you know, speak up now, but if not, obviously, um, you know, best of luck to Melvin in his costume contest today. Uh, we'll be voting for him if we can send us a link or, or-
3: okay. Yeah.
2: Again, as long as he's not up against Darla. I... <laughs> yeah.
3: All right. I'll let you know. No, I won't. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, we're still not sure if he's going to be Baby Yoda or a lobster.
0: Well, maybe, or maybe if I'm okay. going to
3: put him in a sombrero,
0: maybe you can send it to Scott or, you, or one of you can post his costume on the on the account so we can take a big <laughs> look yes, at it. That's
2: 100% getting
3: tweeted. Out.
0: Uh-huh. 100%. All right. Um. Well, that'll wrap it up for this episode. Once again, thanks to Mark uh, for joining us on a a Sunday. And um, we will talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening.